Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's uh, begin with prayer, and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We ask that your spirit would guide us, that you would imprint upon our minds and our hearts the things that we, we, we need to know, and give us hearts to respond the way that brings honor and glory to you. Help us to use our time well. Um, may it uh, impact our lives. May we be useful in the advancement of your kingdom in the earth. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name for all of that. Amen. Wow, I pray and music starts. Isn't that? That's pretty remarkable. Talk about power. <laughs> or an accident, one of the two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll be watching the clock as best I can just to make sure that we use our time um, fully, but uh, not too fully, <laughs> not overflowing, just to the right amount of time. And as you know, now we're, we're in kind of part two of our three-week strategy as we consider <clears throat> the persecuted church in the world for this International Day of Prayer. And the purpose is uh, certainly to, to inform us and to inspire us to perform our responsibilities and duties as members of the family of God to pray for one another, to remember to pray, and maybe even to take certain tangible actions where we're given the opportunities, the ideas and the opportunities to do so. I just want to throw a little advertisement out there. Um, next Sunday, next Lord's Day, after the service, we're going to have a, a short missions update. And uh, one of the things that will be during that time is I'll be talking about um, ministry with ELI, and uh, I want to share with you a new project that ELI is undertaking that I have um, uh, volunteered for to be involved with, and uh, I want to share that with you because it really kind of is related to what we're talking about these couple of weeks. I'm excited about that, but that's all I'm going to tell you. You'll just have to come to find out some more details about that. As we engage upon this uh, um, join with me in this spirit that we're not simply engaging in an intellectual exercise this morning. Okay, because it can become that. We can just be informed. And um, that's good to be informed, but if that's all that it amounts to, then I don't care. Uh, I mean, yet I'm, you know, I'd like us to be informed, but. I really don't care. I, I want, I, my prayer is that we're not only informed, but we're moved. We're, we're moved as children of the living God, as saints, okay, as, as members of this covenant community around the globe, that we're moved to uh, storm the throne of grace on behalf of our brothers and sisters around the world. 
I've, I've been increasingly impressed in my life, just, you know, increasingly, the older I get and the longer I live and the more I see, I'm so and impressed, but not in a good way, just impressed at the, the impact of the fall and the depth of depravity, how, how the fall so corrupted God's perfect creation and how horrible sin is. I love the Puritan's you know, phrase, uh, to, to appreciate the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And I think sometimes we don't embrace that because we believe in it. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. Bummer. You know, no, no, sin is the violation, the violation of the holiness, the nature and the holiness of God. It is a devastation, and it has impacted us profoundly. And even those of us who have been redeemed personally, we've been redeemed from the eternal impact of that because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Yet we are still impacted by the the effects of the fall in the world, in our lives, in our daily lives. It's the, the spiritual battle is profound and intense. And, and perhaps the problem is sometimes because it's a spiritual battle, we're just not always as aware of it because we have things to do. We're busy. You know, for some of us to get up and get dressed in the morning, that's a challenge. And, and, and we have to just, you know, get into our day and, and to try to survive throughout the day. And we're not aware of the spiritual warfare that is taking place going after us. The evil one would, would seek to destroy us. He can't have us. He can't have us. We're the Lord's. But he certainly would love to hinder any godliness in our lives, if he can. And he's sneaky. Of course, as you know, that's one of the reasons we gather here each week, isn't it? To help us, to to equip us, to prepare us, to inform us, to challenge us, to hear the teaching of the word of God. So, So I guess all of that is to say my heart is that we become alerted to that our antennas are up and we're, we're aware of this spiritual battle that is going place in the world. And one thing we all can do is pray. Go before the one who is able to protect and keep his people around the world. Go before him on behalf of the, the persecuted church. And we, last week we kind of gave a foundation and an introduction for that. Now, hopefully you've all received a handout. Um, everyone have one of these? Thank you, Kathy, for this, because we'll, we'll refer to this and, and, uh, and be looking at it a little bit. But right now, before we get into this week and next week, by the way, we're going to gather together. We're going to take four nations um, and, and open them up, and then, and then divide up into groups and spend the rest of our time actually, you know, sharing our prayers with one another before the Lord, praying for uh, the church in various countries around the world. 
But our intent, last week we talked a little bit about why is there persecution, what does it look like, the, those kinds of things, where do we see it in scripture, what, you know, what, what do we make of all this persecution. Today I want to um, spend a little more time just talking about where is the persecution taking place. And now when I'm talking about persecution, we're, we're narrowing it down a little bit from, from the broad persecution that we looked at last week. And now we're looking more specifically at, at those intense, intentional, um, uh, harsh, heavy, hard persecutions uh, of, of the saints in various places around the world. So we won't be looking at the U.S. and the kinds of things that we're experiencing here, but now we're going to be looking at, at actually some of our brothers and sisters. Before we actually begin going through, I'm going to take the top five that's on this list here and just review a few things of those countries. But before we do that, just in general, some trends in persecution that, that, uh, that we're seeing taking place. And, and um, uh, the, uh, the world... Uh, the worldwide list of uh, the World Watch list of persecutions that's published by Open Doors Ministry, a, a, an outstanding organization that really helps keep us informed. And beyond being informed, actually has some projects and things that we we or, or the saints around the world can be involved in helping the persecuted people. There are several organizations that we've talked about before, and be sure to go back and check out the the table that Elizabeth has put up back there to help us along those lines. But some of these trends, and so Open Doors annual, they publish an annual World Watch list, which examines uh, the 50 countries worldwide where it's most difficult to be a Christian. Okay, it's an interesting way of putting it. It's most difficult to be a Christian. And, uh, and they're listed on, on, on the handout that you received. Um, it is only, it is the only annual in-depth survey of its kind and reveals several trends in how Christians are being targeted around the world. And so for now, briefly, we'll examine a bit more in depth the top five countries, but, and for next week in our prayer time, we'll choose four of them to look at. So what are some of these trends that have been published? Well, first of all, this trend uh, and it's the shocking reality of persecution against women, okay. which, is, which is, in a sense, it's like for us Americans, we have become so sensitized not to be sexist in any way in our thinking, very careful. And, and a lot of that is, by the way, I think is a good thing. Most of it actually is a good thing. It's just when it gets ridiculous which we all know about, so we won't go into that, that it becomes, you know, like any good thing, Satan will take it and abuse it. But in our country, we've come a long way, I believe, as a culture in just appreciating that, especially in the church, that in Christ there is neither male nor female, right? There's not bond or free, there's no Jew nor Gentile. In the church, we're all the children of God. And even in culture, whether they know it or not, in America, we're beginning to appreciate that better. But worldwide, that is not the case, especially when it comes to the persecution of women, Christian women. In the 2019 World Watch 
list reporting period, there were shocking details about the persecution experienced by Christian women. In many places, they experienced double persecution, one for being a Christian and one for being a woman. Even in the most restricted circumstances, gender-specific persecution is a key means of destroying the minority Christian community. This kind of persecution is difficult to assess because it is complex, violent, and hidden. In many cultures where women are specifically targeted, it is difficult, if not impossible, to report accurate numbers. Now, at the risk of spending too much time, I just, I just want to share, uh, hopefully, insights a little bit that, that, I, that I think, what, why? Why is this the case? Why is it that in the context of the persecution of the church, why would women be particularly targeted? And here's what I think. Um, I think it's because if you and I think just broadly and historically, of the church of Jesus Christ, although, although God has raised up uh, great men of God to exercise leadership, typically it is the women of the church who actually do the, the, the sustaining of the ministries of the church very often. Not always, but very often. And of course, moms... In the, in the rearing of their children and pointing them to Jesus Christ. Don't want to minimize the role of the men in all of this. Don't, would never, as a dad, I would never want to say, so, you know, it's, it's Peggy's responsibility to teach the, teach the children. No, 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 it's my responsibility as dad. However, historically, we have to admit, we men have to admit, that typically it's been the women. And you go into a lot of churches in this country and around the world, and you look and you look for the men, and there are a few, but it's the women who are really the, 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 the substantial part of the congregation who are doing the work in the church. That's just that, for whatever reason, that's been the case. And I know our pastor would give a hearty amen to this. In this church, we have an abundance, I believe, of very godly men for which we are extremely thankful. But we're not necessarily typical in that regard. And so a strategy to undermine and destroy the church would be to just destroy the women, the moms, and the mercy, merciful ones who do the work of the ministry in the church. Strategically, it's reasonable from a, from a satanic <laughs> perspective. I usually don't want to know the mind of Satan, but in that case, it just seems like, yeah, that makes sense. So perhaps that's an explanation. Okay, I won't give an explanation on any of the others. I'll just go through the list because I'm watching the clock. Two, Islamic oppression continues to impact millions of Christians. In seven out of the top 10 world watch list countries, the primary cause of persecution is Islamic oppression. Political correctness aside, that's the reality. 
This means for millions of Christians, particularly those who grew up in Muslim or were born into Muslim families, grew up Muslim or were born into Muslim families, openly following Jesus can have painful consequences. They can be treated as second-class citizens, discriminated against for jobs, or even violently attacked. Three, the world's two most populated countries on the world's watch list. Okay, the two most populated countries. So for, for the first time since the start of the world watch list, India has entered the top 10. India, and that's because of these, the, the Hindu radicals. Okay, additionally, China jumped 16 spots from 43 to 27. Each of these countries is home to more than a billion people. So these trends are distressing. Hindu nationalists in India continue to attack Christians with what seems like no consequences. And in China, the increased power of the government and the rule of Xi Jinping continue to make open worship difficult in some parts of the country. Now, I, I can testify to this from experience, not having been there or not going there to serve, but because of my involvement with ELI and the impact that in these two countries, the, the rise of the persecution and the stance of the countries against Christians is, is very evident in, in this uh, in ministry in which I'm involved. Um, and I've mentioned before that, that I've been invited to go to India. And one of the primary reasons I haven't been able to is it's just so expensive to do it. I just don't have the funds yet. Uh, the Lord hadn't yet provided the funds for me to go to India and to teach. But, um, but the other reason is, is it's becoming harder and harder for us to get into India. They're, they're not letting Americans, Christians, come in and do ministry. It's harder and harder. And of course, in China, we've, we don't have any ELI guys going regularly to China anymore. Um, a friend of mine who's, who is a missionary in China has been expelled uh, from China. His wife was seriously threatened and was very fearful, and she escaped out of China, and, uh, and they want to go back in and can't get back in to China to, to continue their ministries there. Um, it's, it, so these, these two places, um, with a great uh, population mass, okay, are com coming under increasing persecution for the Christians. For the spread of Islam across sub-Saharan Africa, and if you know your geography, of course, we know if we had a map of Africa here, the Sahara Desert kind of stretches across the very northern section of Africa. And then below the Sahara Desert is what we've, you know, geographies, geographists have called uh, sub-Saharan Africa, below the Sahara. And typically, the northern areas have been predominantly Muslim. But below that, there's a strong, strong Christian influence across the globe in Africa, and there is to this day. And some of the countries sub-Saharan are having increased persecution and activity by Muslims 
against the Christians there. Okay, in sub-Saharan Africa, where I go in Ghana, um, where, which is very open to Christianity and to Christians coming in and teaching. Uh, but, but every once in a while, we're informed that something in the northern areas is going on and we need to avoid those areas. Okay, um, I've experienced the same thing in, in Uganda. So uh, that is spreading um, tremendously. Where the violent excesses of ISIS and other Islamic militants have mostly disappeared from the headlines from the Middle East, their loss of territory there means that fighters have dispersed to a larger number of countries, not only in the region, but increasingly into sub-Saharan Africa. Their radical ideology has inspired or infiltrated numerous splinter groups, such as Islamic State West Africa Province, a deadly group that broke away from Nigeria's Boko Haram that also enslaves Christian women and girls as an integral part of their strategy. Five, more and more laws are being added to control religion. State authoritarianism is increasing in many parts of the world, supported by the ever-spreading availability of personal digital technology which governments can increasingly track through facial recognition, electronic chips, and so on. Places like Vietnam, Myanmar, China, and North Korea all saw increases in stricter state control of religious rights. In other words, it's harder and harder for Christians to fly under the radar. Okay? They're more public around the world because of these incre in the increase in technology. And so, if they're more public and, their and more attention is drawn to them, then, of course, the forces of evil against them will be more intense. And those are some of the trends that we are observing around the world. Well, let's go then to the top five World Watch List countries. And this week, uh, in, in, in Open Door's email... This was posted, a, a, a quote here, where a young lady said, I had no idea so many people were praying for us. Okay? That's what, okay, forgive my pronunciation here. I think it's Yoon Hee. I think it's Yoon Hee, a North Korean Christian, recently told us, We'd met with her to hear her incredible and difficult story, how she lived in a dirty home for North Korean street children, how she eventually escaped North Korea by crossing a dangerous river, and how throughout her life she prayed for help and safety from a God she had heard her grandmother talk about in whispers. I wish I had some time to tell you some stories about the roles that grandmothers have played in the history of the protection and the advancement of the Church of Jesus Christ around the world. You, those of you here who are grandmothers, God bless you and continue to teach your grandchildren here in the States 
Sometimes you may be the only voice of reason, biblical reason. These little, what brother always talks about his, his grandchildren. God bless you with these little ones, these next generation ones. Okay, move on. Um, uh, she says, those prayers, oh, excuse me. Now, Yoon Hee lives in South Korea. And she was amazed and touched to find out how many people around the world have prayed for her and her other North Korean Christians. Those prayers are really important, she says. They will lead, to more, pe lead more people to Jesus Christ in North Korea. Okay. One of the things we pray for is the spread of the gospel, spread of the kingdom. Well, the method that God most typically uses to spread his truth is the witness of the saints. That's true here in the U.S., and it's true in North Korea. And so if the saints are silenced, the witness is silenced. But if the saints are protected by the grace of God and encouraged and blessed and strengthened and emboldened by the word of God, the witness continues. So she thanks for the prayer, she thanks the saints in the U.S. Uh, for the prayers for North Korea. Well, North Korea is number one on the world watch list. And here's what we know about North Korea regarding this. There's never ending pressure and violence. Let's dismiss all the news about the negotiations back and forth between our politicians and our concern about nuclear bombs and all that kind of stuff for a minute, even though all that's important. But regarding the, the, the uh, Christian church, the primary driver of Christian persecution in North Korea is the state. For three generations, everything in the country has focused on idolizing the leading Kim family. Christians are seen as hostile elements in society that have to be eradicated. There was hope that new diplomatic efforts in 2018, including the 2018 Winter Olympics, would mean a lessening of pressure and violence against Christians. But so far, that has not been the case. Kim Jong-un has maintained his tight control over the populace and dissent or worshiping anything else is not tolerated. Now, if Christians, how are they suffering? If Christians are discovered, not only are they deported to labor camps as political criminals or even killed on the spot, their families will share their fate as well. Christians do not even have the slightest space in society. On the contrary, they are publicly warned against. Meeting other Christians in order to worship is almost impossible, and if some believers dare to, it has to be done in utmost secrecy. The churches shown to visitors in Pyongyang serve mere propaganda purposes. Due to the extremely difficult security situation, it is very difficult to share examples. Pastor Dong Cho Kim who was arrested in 2015, and two Korean-American Christian lecturers at the Pyongyang University of Science and Technology, Tony Kim and uh, Haksong Kim, who were arrested in April and May of 2017, respectively, 
were all accused of espionage, but released ahead of the U.S.-North Korea summit in June 2018. In a change of hiring policy, Pyongyang uh, uh, School of Te uh, Science and Technology, University of Science and Technology, is now reportedly looking for non-American staff, a logical consequence from the travel ban for the U.S. citizens. Well, how can we pray for the, the, the saints in North Korea? And they are there. We have brothers and sisters who are there, living there. Well, pray that new diplomatic efforts will pay dividends and will lead to a softening of the North Korean government toward its people. The situation for Christians is vulnerable and precarious. They face persecution from the state authorities and their non-Christian family, friends, and neighbors pray for their protection. Pray for strength and courage for Christians who suffer in prisons, labor camps, and remote areas. Pray that God will prepare the underground church in North Korea to be a light for the country. And pray that they will be ready to share the gospel freely someday soon. Okay. Then there's Afghanistan. Afghanistan's number two on this list. And that's where Christianity is not permitted to exist. It simply doesn't exist. Afghanistan is an Islamic state by constitution, which means government officials, ethnic group leaders, religious officials, and citizens are hostile toward adherents of any other religion. This means any expression of any faith other than Islam is simply not permitted to exist. Officially, there are no Christians in this 99% Muslim state, apart from international military staff, diplomats, and non-governmental organization workers. Afghanistan, or Afghan Christians, so officially there aren't any, but there are, of course. Afghan Christians, mostly those with a Muslim background, are in hiding as much as possible due to the fear of Christian persecution. To convert to a faith outside Islam is tantamount to treason because it is seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, and country. The term civil society is virtually unknown in Afghanistan, so any groups who advocate for social development women's issues, religious and ethnic minorities, or human rights can do little to influence the country's political development. Groups supporting the rule of law, participation in the political process, or government accountability are quickly suspected of being agents of the West. The security situation continues to deteriorate due to the influx of foreign militants who have pledged allegiance to ISIS. The radical Islamic Taliban have also increased in strength and their fighting units are present in more regions than in the last few years. At least half of Afghanistan's provinces are either ruled or contested by the Taliban. Even government officials are hostile toward Christianity as are ethnic group leaders, leaders of local mosques, and ordinary citizens. Anyone leaving Islam is seen as a betrayal, betraying their tribal community. In most cases, conversion brings shame for the family. 
Family members will do all in their power to bring the convert back to Islam or to atone for the shame. Multiple radical Islamic vigilante groups fight for the honor of their interpretation of their religion and any deviation, even if only perceived, is highly dangerous. All Afghan Christians are converts from Islam and are not able to live their faith openly. Very often, there is only one possible outcome for exposed and caught Christians. They will be killed. Neither radical Islamic groups nor a convert's extended family show mercy in this respect. Converts are considered insane to leave Islam. And some may end up in a psychiatric hospital and have their houses destroyed. The family, clan, or tribe has to save its honor by disposing of the Christian. There are reports that several converts were killed in the 2019 World Watch List reporting, back, reporting period, but for security reasons, no details can be published. Even foreign Christian aid workers have been targeted and killed as recently as May 2017. Any visible acts of Christian worship are dangerous. As all religious changes are noticed and reported, this office Oh, this often means that converts have to relocate. Neighborhood pressure and the influence of the Taliban or ISIS-affiliated group is strong. If someone is found to be even exploring any faith other than Islam, especially if conversion is suspected, the penalty can be death depending on the individual family situation. Christians will be employed as long as it is believed they are Afghan Muslims. If it is discovered that they are even exploring Christianity, like looking at websites, Christian websites, okay, immediate action is taken to re-indoctrinate them until they and, and any group they're involved with comply. This can mean torture. And you see, that that's a part that we, when we talk about persecution in our country, we're not there yet. Torture. I shudder. I don't, I personally don't want to be tortured. I'll be honest. I don't like pain and, uh, and I don't want to be tortured. But some of our brothers and sisters observe this and experience this periodically. Well, how can we pray for Afghanistan, Christian converts from Islam face strong pressure from family, friends, and neighbors, and can even be attacked. Pray for these believers to have courage and protection. The Islamic Republic of Afghanistan does not allow conversion from Islam. Pray, please pray for the softening of the country's leadership and local rulers. Pray for isolated believers in Afghanistan, many of whom are totally cut off from any other Christians. Pray for secret Christians living in areas controlled tightly by radical groups like ISIS or the Taliban. Pray for their protection and that they will be able to find other believers in their area. We believe, theologically, we believe the Bible teaches that conversion comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
that it's not a matter of a person making a decision, but that God decides for us. And he chooses us, elects us, reveals Jesus Christ to us through the Holy Spirit. We see our need for salvation. We repent of our sin and we place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we would have to say Afghanistan is simply hopeless as far as conversions are concerned. Because humanly speaking, satanically speaking, everything is being done to make that impossible. But praise God for his grace, not only in our lives, but in the lives of his bro our brothers and sisters around the world, even in Afghanistan, where he, is, he has his elect and he is picking them out. And in the worst possible human conditions, he's giving them grace and saving them. And someday you and I will be able to shake their hands and just praise the Lord together with them. And we're going to go, you guys are our heroes. Praise the Lord for the Spirit's work. Well, very quickly, Somalia. Ah, Somalia. In this country of, on the Horn of Africa, you know, the, the, the continent of Africa, the big wide part, the furthest east uh, has this little section that kind of looks like, it looks, literally looks like a um, uh, rhinoceros horn. Okay, kind of goes up that way there. And, and that's called the Horn of Africa. Somalia is in that area. Uh, estimates suggest that 99% of Somalis are Muslims. And any minority religions are heavily persecuted. The Christian community is small and under constant threat of attack. Sharia law and Islam are enshrined in the country's constitution. And Christian persecution almost always involves violence. Additionally, in many rural areas, Islamic terrorist groups like Al-Shabaab are de facto rulers advocating for Sharia law as the basis for regulating all aspects of life in Somalia. Al-Shabaab regards Christians with a Muslim background as high-value targets. Believers who left Islam to follow Jesus are often killed on the spot when discovered. Al-Shabaab has continuously expressed its desire to eradicate Christians from the country. Islamic oppression is not limited to militants. Christians also face serious persecution from families and from the community at large. Any conversion to Christianity is regarded as a betrayal of the Somali family and clan. As a result, if Somalis are suspected of being converts, family members and clan leaders will harass, intimidate, and even kill them. In recent years, the situation appears to have worsened. Islamic militants have intensified their hunt for Christians and in a position of leadership. An attempt to reopen a church in Hargeisa, Somaliland, failed because the government was forced to shut it down due to pressure from the local Islamic population. In the World Watch List 2019 reporting period, Christians remained extremely vulnerable to attacks by Islamic militants. In the interests of security, no examples can uh, currently be published. Let me define that for just a second for you, please. Because of the internet, 
and because of the, the world wide web and the ability to get on the internet, for Christians in many of these countries that we're talking about, they can't post anything as Christians, nor can we. If you know of a Somali Christian, never, ever put their name on the internet, okay? Don't say, please pray for such and such and such who lives in Somalia and is, is, don't post that. Don't say that about Chinese Christians. Don't post that on the internet. Even though we want to share among the saints, you have to use, you have to use a code that, that you can communicate uh, where the non-English speaking world um, won't understand the code. Or else those people will be sought out and persecuted, perhaps tortured, perhaps even murdered. Okay, that's important. So that's why they mean by security reasons, we can't tell you anything about what's going on in Somalia other than in general terms, but not specifically. Well, Somali Christians often must hide their faith to stay safe, Pray for their safety and discipleship opportunities for these isolated believers. Pray for Christians who convert from Islam that they will be protected from violence and oppression. Pray for the government of Somalia that its leaders will be opened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. There is no room for Christianity in Somalia. Pray that the Lord will continue to build his kingdom there despite hostilities. Pray that more laborers will be uh, will be released into the harvest. Pray that Christian workers will be wise and have grace to daily express God's love. Please pray for God's wisdom and protection for field teams. Pray that Somali Christians would feel the support and hope of their brothers and sisters from around the world and that Open Doors efforts will help the Somali church into greater spiritual maturity. With the last two countries, I'm, I'm out of time, really, so I'm not going to be able to read the, the details, but we're going to look at Libya a, a little bit because of the chaos that has taken place in Libya um, after the ouster of Saddam Hussein, which from a political standpoint, the free world rejoiced, but from a cultural standpoint and even from a spiritual standpoint, it opened up the doors to complete chaos and disaster. And it is a horrendous environment right now for the Christians. And then Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan was number five. And, and finally, we get away from the, the Muslim influence with the state in North Korea. Okay. The Muslim influence in, in these other countries and then Pakistan, a lot of the persecution comes from the Hindu, militant Hindus and radical Hindus, as well as uh, the Muslims. Okay. So that was the last. But you can find all of this information. On, on the Open Doors website. The problem is it's so overwhelming, isn't it? It's just overwhelming. So, so you have to take it a little bit at a time because our hearts are broken. It, it, it is devastating for us. Okay? Well, next time when we come together, we, we want to um, intentionally pray for some of our brothers and sisters experiencing these things around the world. We certainly can rejoice that God is in control and he is sovereign. You know, Pastor, uh, Thursday night at the men's group read several verses from uh, the, the first, second, third chapter of, of Revelation about the church that overcomes, they that overcome, and, and, and the blessings that are given. 
to those that overcome. You know, you and I, and I know this is true because it's true of me, and if it's true of me, I'm, I know it's true of you. We have much temptation and trial and struggles that we battle to seek to overcome and remain faithful to our Father. That, that is a, a great challenge for us, and we march forth in the confidence that we are able to do this by the grace of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can overcome, and we want to be counted among those in the last day, those who have overcome. That is part of our hope. So can our brothers and sisters in these other extreme places around the world. As we said last week, none of this is outside the will of God. It's not like God has lost control of that part of the world. No, that these saints, by God's sovereign providence, have been selected to suffer these things so that his glory may redound in that part of the world and so that their reward is going to be awesome as they overcome. But let us support them if we can to whatever degree we can. Let us support them and help them on this journey. Let's help them overcome if we can. And certainly one thing we can do is remember them and pray for them. Right? Let us do that. Let us commit ourselves to doing that. Let's put that on your prayer list. Make this a part of your regular prayer routine. You're praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering because they're Christians, because they love the same Jesus we love. Let us help them through our prayers. Father, we thank you for these few minutes this morning to just remind us of some of these things and, and to challenge us again that we would be faithful um, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful of servants as servants of the Lord in, in our lives, but also faithful brothers and sisters, praying for the family of, of God across the globe. And as we're reminded of some of the things that they experience, and we're horrified, just humanly speaking, we're horrified by what they experience. Oh God, we come with confidence. We commit them into your hands for their sustenance, for their courage, for their perseverance. May they overcome for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we laugh with them someday when they stand before Jesus with us and praise your name into eternity. May you receive all the glory for this in our Savior's name. Amen.